How to show up with Coca-Cola energy. You're tired and you're thinking of canceling on your friends. Don't do it! Every time you cancel on a friend, a unicorn loses its horn and becomes a regular horse. Do you really want that on your conscience? Instead, grab an ice-cold can of Coca-Cola energy with delicious Coke taste and reinvigorating energy. Keep the unicorns alive! Show up every day with Coca-Cola energy. Energy you want, taste you love. Dumb crooks, celebrity morons, idiot politicians, and other true stories of individuals. I'm Darren Marlar, the creator and host of Daily Dose of Weird News. Every weekday, I bring you a new episode highlighting some of the stories you don't get with other news outlets. A new podcast every weekday. Get the podcast today for Apple, Android, or your favorite podcasting app at DailyDoseOfWeirdNews.com. This podcast is part of the BombPod Media Network. I've always had an eerie feeling about this place because of its history and because of how dark and quiet it gets. Ironically, these are the same reasons I come here. The moonlit sky made for a perfect nightlight, giving you just enough gray contrast to bring images to shape. I dozed off into the night, into a deep sleep. Suddenly, I was woken. Something was tapping on my shoulder. I was startled when I opened my eyes and saw a black silhouette hovering above me. I'm Darren Marlar, and this is Weird Darkness. Welcome, Weirdos! I'm Darren Marlar, and this is Weird Darkness. If you are new to Weird Darkness, here you will find ghost stories, unsolved mysteries, and other stories of the strange and bizarre. I'm always looking for both fiction and non-fiction stories of the paranormal, macabre, supernatural, dark, and creepy. You can even send me links to paranormal or supernatural articles, creepypastas, and other scary stories you find online that you would like to hear me narrate. Share your stories and links at WeirdDarkness.com. If you're already a subscriber and a fan of the show, please post a review on iTunes. I'll give you a shout-out in the next episode, and everyone who leaves an iTunes review automatically receives the audiobook Fright Before Christmas – 13 Tales of Holiday Horror, narrated by me, but only through the month of November 2017 while supplies last. So be sure to leave your iTunes review today. Just post your review then send me a screenshot to let me know you've done so. Coming up in this episode… A young wife, home alone with her husband in the military, begins experiencing strange happenings in their apartment. On a rainy night, a man begins to hear strange sounds from above that can't be explained. A Weird Darkness listener tells their story of being terrified by an entity for over 21 years. A deceased relative saves the life of one woman. Her husband tells us the story. And an invisible friend decides to show up uninvited on a camping trip in an original story submitted by a Weird Darkness subscriber. Now, vulture doors lock your windows, turn off your lights, and come with me into the Weird Darkness. Around 2012, my husband and I moved into our very first apartment as newlyweds. I was super excited because it was in the perfect location, the perfect price, and my college buddy would live on the third floor, which was just above us. The apartment was bright, well-kept, and very clean, nothing out of the ordinary. I can't remember exactly when the weirdness started, but if I had to guess, I'd say probably about a year into our lease things started to happen. 
My husband at the time was in the military, so he would be gone for weeks at a time. And I wasn't afraid to be by myself. Several nights a week, when I would be laying in bed, the most overwhelming sensation would creep over me that I wasn't alone. Not at all. It got to the point that I would have to gather the courage to turn out the lights and then I would bundle up under the covers like a little girl scared of the dark. I knew it was silly, but I always felt like if I peeked out from under the blanket, I would see someone standing there watching me. This feeling went on for months, almost every night. If I had to get up to pee during the night, I would get this sense of dread in all places, the bathroom. It was connected to the bedroom, and I would race back to the bed and bury my head under the covers. I told my husband about it, but there really wasn't much he could do. He kind of brushed it off, understandably. If at night I would get up to get water from the kitchen, if I didn't turn on all the lights, I would run back to bed, lest I turn around and see something behind me. I felt stalked in my own home. This thing had no sense of personal space whatsoever. Soon, my husband started to feel watched at night as well. Then other things started to happen. One day I called my husband to see when he would be released from duty, and he said maybe in a couple of hours. I went about my business, folding clothes. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw a man tall and slender like my husband, standing in the doorway. I turned and started to greet him when I realized nobody was standing there, and I had just spoken with my husband. This awful feeling crept over me and I was so scared I threw myself up against the wall and started screaming, if you're not from God, go away! I was terrified. Another time a friend stayed the night and slept on the sofa. A few weeks later, they confessed that they got up to get water from the faucet and they saw someone about four feet tall run down the hallway. Another time, I woke up one morning to hear someone dragging their feet down the hallway and I shouted, who's there? Nobody responded, but the sound got closer and closer. And then I saw the edge of my bed indent like someone sat down. I screamed and it stopped. I told my husband and he was convinced I was dreaming, but I knew I wasn't. Another morning I woke up to see a tall, dark figure in a reddish cape or hood disappear into the floor. At this point I was so used to odd things occurring, I would document it in a journal and keep going with my life. I've always been sensitive to these sorts of things, but this was the most activity I have ever experienced in one place, and I've never experienced it since. The last year we lived in the apartment, we got our first dog. I still have him even though my husband has now become my ex-husband. Dexter is a very intelligent, very aware dog. If someone is outside, he lets me know. Anyhow, a few months after I got him, he would stare into space, almost as if he was tracking something. I thought maybe it was just a bug or who knows. Dogs don't see the world like the rest of us, so I didn't worry about it too much. He started to take an interest in the bathroom. He would wander in there, sniffing, and at night he would not sleep in the bed, even when we invited him. Instead, he would lay between me and the bathroom door right on the edge, almost as if he was guarding me. We also had an extra bedroom adjacent to our master bedroom and I just hated going in there. I hated it. I couldn't explain it, but I just felt really unwanted in there. A few times when I went in there to clean it, I would feel what I can only describe as what felt like a psychic assault I felt like someone was violently screaming at me, sometimes words like, get out. Other times it was just like a shrieking that reminded me of radio static, if that makes any sense. One evening I was alone, as usual, and things got really weird. 
He started growling and barking, very ferociously, snarling and snapping. The feeling of dread swept over me. Suddenly, I felt like I wasn't alone again. I whipped out my iPhone and started filming. In the video, you could hear the fear in my voice rising as I struggled to keep my voice steady while I simultaneously tried to get my dog to calm down. I ended up giving the footage to a friend that worked in video production. I wanted to see if there was anything to it. A few weeks later, my friend called me. He was flabbergasted. Are you guys trying to punk me? Are you serious right now? I assured him I wasn't trying to pull one over on him, and after a few minutes of trying to get me to tell him what he found, he finally told me he had cleaned up and enhanced the audio, and what I heard chilled me to the bone. In the audio, you can clearly hear me asking my dog, what is it, baby, what's wrong? Directly after that, you can clearly hear a deep, guttural voice mimicking my tone. Not once, but twice. And each time my dog would promptly bark in that direction, into the bathroom where I was filming, as if to respond to the thing. I had caught my first EVP. After that, things were so active that my husband and I called in a paranormal group to investigate our apartment. He couldn't ignore what was going on in our home any longer. They found nothing other than some EMF spikes and I was so crestfallen. I still have that file and the video. Years later, I won't listen to it. I just can't. But I still have it as proof that in the nearly four years we lived there, I was right. I wasn't alone. The last summer I spent in that apartment, I went to see a psychic, just for the hell of it. I just wanted some answers, and I was completely at a loss. She told me I had a demon attached to me, but for $3,000 she could get rid of it. Of course she could for a few grand. While I was laying on the table focusing my energies as I had been directed, I felt someone touch my thigh. It was like a caress from the inside out. I sat straight up and gasped. I was completely alone in the room and all the doors were shut. It was a tiny room, not much larger than a closet, and if someone had been in there with me, I would have most certainly known. It was the oddest thing. The psychic also asked me if I was having any issues in my marriage. I told her no, my marriage was great. She looked me dead in the eye and said, you will. Again, I brushed her off. What marriage doesn't have issues? As it turned out, unbeknownst to me, my husband was being unfaithful to me, and by that October we had split up. I never went back to that psychic, and I still won't put much stock in her, even though a tiny part of me wonders. As an odd aside, about six months before I moved out, I was wiping down the doorframe to the extra bedroom, and I found holes that had been painted over. They lined up perfectly, and I realized that someone had, at one time, had a lock of some sort on the outside of the door, as if to keep someone or something trapped in that room. For the life of me, I couldn't and still can't imagine why you would have a lock like that on the outside of a bedroom door. But I don't think I want to know. That was about three years ago. But as soon as I moved out of that apartment, everything stopped. I no longer felt like I was being watched. I no longer have that feeling of dread at night, and I haven't seen that man since. It all just stopped. I know something is in that apartment, and I was just sensitive enough to be receptive to it. I even did research on the area to see if I could find out if maybe someone had died there. I did find out that a man had hung himself a few buildings over, but that was after I had already been living there. Shakespeare once said, there are more things in heaven and earth than are dreamt of in your philosophy. I plan on getting that tattooed on me as a reminder to always keep an open mind, to search for the truth, 
and try to be logical about things. But to remember that sometimes there just doesn't seem to be any other explanation that is logical or scientific. A startling sound that invokes a sense of fear depending upon the time of day, or as in this case, night. The raindrops made a constant pitter-patter on the glass window, with drops racing each other to reach the bottom of the sill. The cold glass had a foggy appearance on the inside surface, making it difficult to reckon the street lamps casting more shadows on the narrow street below than light. The rain had lasted a little more than a couple of hours now, showing signs of slowing down after emptying its reservoir of water held in the dark clouds hovering miles above. The sudden sound was as unexpected as it was surprising. Who was out in the rains in the dead of the night hauling objects of such weight? More importantly, it's not another floor above but the roof of the building I'm in, making it all the more mysterious. I felt this urge to go and check, maybe even give a hand. I decided to go for it and check out what was going on right above my head. Had I known any building or renovation activity was scheduled by the building manager, I wouldn't have batted an eyelid and perhaps tried to sleep given the cool weather after days of sweltering heat and perspiration. I decided to take an umbrella with me, even though the rain had almost died down. Perhaps it would double up as a weapon if need be. The thought of going to check the crash was a grievous mistake now when I come to think of it. I went from my living room into the kitchen to have a quick drink of water before heading up. As soon as I brought my glass up to my lips and the water made contact, another huge thud reverberated right on top of me and it felt like almost crashing through the ceiling, coming down on me and crushing me. This one felt bigger and heavier than the first and was seemingly following me around. Clutching the umbrella in one hand and gasping for the staircase railing in the other, I slowly mustered enough grit to climb up and peek through the old wooden door. I did not swing open the door fully as that made a creaking sound and I wanted to keep my element of stealth. Peeking out, I wasn't able to see anyone or any silhouette right away, and this gave me the courage to let myself fully out onto the rooftop and look around. I pushed the door open, just enough for me to pass through, and took a step forward. The door was now just behind me, swinging slightly in the cool breeze, and I was standing on the open rooftop. The rain had fizzled down to a drizzle with intermittent flashes of lightning illuminating the open space laying around me as clear as daylight, albeit for only a moment. Taking steps in a random but cautious manner, peering down the corners and below the water tanks, I saw nothing out of the ordinary. Suddenly, the realization dawned on me. The heavy crashing sound felt like it was following me around when I was in my apartment. It came from the living room ceiling when I first heard it sitting on the sofa, and then right on top of the kitchen ceiling when I went to have some water. I look up. I apologize in advance for the length of my story, Darren. It has spanned over 21 years and so much has happened in that time. My parents built our home 21 years ago when I was only one. The property was given to us by my uncle in the 80s, but it wasn't until I was born that my parents moved me and my two older siblings out onto the 10-acre plot. It sits in the middle of Pennsylvania, in the middle of nowhere. Before we built our house, we burnt down the existing home sitting at the bottom of the property as it was dilapidated and beyond saving. 
So we moved in and started our life on the property. But through the years, I've come to believe there was another resident that inhabited our place long before we moved in. I can admit now that I was an odd child. Younger than normal, my fascination with ghosts and spooky stories drove me to actively seek out any true stories I could. In all honesty, I think it's because I lived alongside something dark for most of my life. When I was around five or six was the first time I remember seeing him. I say him because saying it makes him more menacing to me. At the time, I slept with my mother as my parents didn't have the foresight to build another room to accommodate three children. She had a catering job that kept her from coming home until three in the morning, and I always attempted to wait up for her. Each time I fell asleep with the lights on and I saw her in the morning. One night, however, I remember waking up. I sat up and looked around the room. It was still dark and my mom wasn't home, but as my eyes scanned the room, they found him standing at the foot of my bed by the bedroom door. He was shrouded in black and had a white, featureless face. I didn't move, and neither did he. He just stood there, watching me. Even as a child, I thought I must have been seeing wrong, so I quickly lay back down and pulled the covers over my head. That's how things went for me. I saw or heard something and explained it away as my imagination or something reasonable. As I got older, things became harder to deny. It was small things at first. Doors rattling, dogs growling at certain areas of the house, phantom footsteps in the night. Then he started becoming bolder. We had a long hallway with an intersection of three doors at the end of it. He would pass from my brother's door on the left to my parents on the right, touching a shoulder or appearing often in the night when you woke. My parents split up and there was a lot of turmoil in the house, which is why I believe he became emboldened. Things like him feed on negativity, and we were open season for him. When I was 13, the first thing I couldn't explain away happened. I was waiting for everyone to get home. My dad, his girlfriend, and my sister were all out at the bar. My brother was at a friend's house, which left me alone. I had this theory that if I wasn't alone, nothing weird would happen. That night, I brought in our two outside cats to accompany my dog and rang my friend as I finished up some dishes. If it wasn't for being on the phone with her, I would just say it was all a dream. It was 12.03 when I finished. I know because I looked at the microwave before turning around. All over the kitchen floor was what I could only describe as blood. Pools and splatters everywhere. Immediately I freaked out and assumed my dog slaughtered my cats. I tiptoed over the linoleum and grabbed my dog by his collar. He only had one spot on his left paw and it didn't even register at the time that, if it was his doing, he would have had to have drugged blood onto the carpeting he sat on. I kicked him outside and made my way to where the cats were. There was a foyer before you left the house, only separated by a door from the kitchen. The door was open, but the red liquid stopped short of the door. Inside, the cats were unharmed, not a spot on them. Instead of letting panic take over, I did as my friend said and went about cleaning it. My sister walked in halfway through and stumbled past me. She was so drunk she didn't even remember it the next day. I moved out of the house that year. The weirdest part of this happening was almost exactly two years later. My dad's girlfriend had moved in with us and deteriorated into a shell of a woman before taking her own life. She shot herself in the kitchen and was found with having shut the foyer door and our lab waiting beside her body. My sister was the first to find her, but as trauma goes, her mind blocked the sight from her memory, nearly identical to what I saw two years prior. 
something in me thought that that tragedy was the last of the horrible happenings in our home. I was wrong, and while nothing was as tragic, things did escalate. It wasn't just my brother and I who experienced it. In later years, our friends started seeing him too. My friend Warren, the skeptic of my friend group, pulled me aside the morning after one movie night and said, last night I saw a man standing in the room watching us. As familiar as it sounded, I brushed it off and told him, you must have saw my dad. He usually walks around to check on us before leaving for work. Warren shook his head. David and I said goodbye to your dad. This was after. I gave him a stern look, really hoping I could convince him otherwise. Did you have your glasses on? No, Warren said. You can't see three feet without him. You didn't see anything. Warren frowned. I know what I saw, and I saw a tall, dark man watching us all. I just figured you'd want to know. He wasn't the only one. Most of the people who spent the night at our house would tell me in the morning of the strangest dream, a man standing in the room watching them as they slept. It became too much to deny. There were many small things, such as the voice that whispered in my ear, don't fall asleep one night as I was watching a movie. But I'll save them for another time and tell the final two things that kept me from sleep. The summer of 2015 was the summer I moved home. I knew nothing had changed and had asked our church to pray over the house to get rid of whatever was inside. They gave me anointing oil and told me to pray over the house every night. I can tell you this didn't make him happy. That summer was the worst in terms of activity. Constant dread and around every corner were shadows and phantom touches. And then, the one night he took it a step further. My father had just become acquainted with Facebook, and so he would wake in the middle of the night to scroll through and watch videos. I awoke one night to what I figured was the sound of my dad watching his videos and rolled over to shut out the noise. Just then, my bed felt like someone had yanked it from the wall and shoved it back in. My entire bed shook and I was now wide awake. I peered around the room, hoping to see my cat moving about, then at least I could say the cat could have done it, but instead found an empty room. I didn't sleep for the rest of the night. The last happening, before it all just stopped, was another night, not too long after the bed-shaking incident. It was around 10.30 and I was sat on my living room floor messing with my makeup. I had my laptop open on the couch and it was just about to fall asleep. You know, the look a laptop gets when the screen goes black, like a black mirror. Well, when I leaned over to tap it awake, I stopped mid-motion. In that black mirror, I could see a man, him, standing behind me. He was only from about mid-thigh down, but he was facing me. He slowly turned to the left and took a step or two, walking behind my head, and then another step or two until he was out of the black mirror's sight. I watched from the corner of my eye, waiting for someone to appear beside me, but nothing. Snapping my laptop shut, and I turned on the lights in my house. I know what I saw, and I was terrified. The next three nights I hardly slept, and if I did, it was a few spare hours during the day. Luckily, nothing went on for the rest of the night, and as I continued to pray and hope for the best, eventually all activity faded away. It's been two years, and I thought it was all gone. A few months ago, my friends were making the rounds of calling a psychic. I'm a huge skeptic and decided to put her to my own test. I forfeited her calling cost just to disprove her. During her call, she described things about my property she had no way of knowing. She'd only gotten my home phone 15 minutes before she called, and she only knew my first name. Another time, I'll write the whole weird story behind our call, but the worst of it was that she told me about our previous resident. 
It wasn't a living being, she told me after I asked her if she knew anything about what had been in the house. She told me it was an evil entity. She told me her voice smaller than before. It was dark and it fed on your family. It's gone now. You anointed your house, didn't you? Again, she'd have no way of knowing, shy of a lucky guess. When I confirmed it, she told me, good, that helped. It is dark, and if I'm tuned into it, it can find its way to me, so we aren't speaking any more of it. I suggest you keep your thoughts from it, too. You do not want it coming back into your home. She said a quick prayer, and we moved on. She could have been pulling the wool over my eyes, and maybe it's my desire to understand what the meaning of it all was. Either way, I believe it was dark and haunting, and the things horror movies spawn from. The past two years have been peaceful, and I don't feel that feeling of someone constantly watching me. In the last month, small things started happening again, and while I pray for the best, I worry that somehow, some way, he is back. I still have two more stories to share with you, so keep listening for more Weird Darkness. This episode is brought to you by the audiobook Fright Before Christmas, 13 Tales of Holiday Horror, narrated by yours truly. It's the most wonderful time of year. Or is it? Christmas Eve is a night of mystery and magic, but not always in ways we expect. Things lurk in the shadows, and they're not the least bit jolly or merry. Let's just say some presents are better left unopened. Tis the season to be screaming along with our 13 tales of holiday horrors. Ghosts, monsters, demons, and more. This Christmas, be careful what you wish for. Hear a free sample of the book or grab it for yourself just in time for the holidays by clicking the link in the program notes. If you'd like to win a free copy of this audiobook, just subscribe to Weird Darkness on iTunes, rate the show, and leave a review on iTunes. Send me a screenshot that you've done so, and I'll send you the audiobook Fright Before Christmas 13 Tales of Holiday Horror absolutely free. In fact, I do have a few people to thank for leaving reviews over the past few days. Liz and John said, best of its kind. Part of my job is driving, and these stories help pass the time. I've listened to others that are corny or the narrator's horrible. These stories are interesting, and the narrator and the background music actually work. August at 2016 said, permanently creeped out. I love this podcast. I can't stop listening while at work or on the way home. Such detail in every story or encounter. I think that's why I can actually see all the stories in my mind's eye. Can't wait for more. Blake3029 said, Creepy podcast. With a combination of scary music, sound effects, and incredible storytelling, Darren really manages to bring these stories to life. This is by far my favorite podcast. Jax907 says, This is an awesome show. The host is well-written and knows how to tell a good story. Subscribe immediately. I'll be writing stories to submit. Darren Marlar makes you want to create your own works of horror and fantasy. Thanks for the hours of fun listening. Jay Sanchez said, Absolutely loved the War of the Worlds episode. I've never heard the original transmission before. All of the episodes that have been released are great. DJ Chemist said, A fantastic podcast. Great host. Great content. What a fantastic podcast about the fantastic. I listen to a lot of podcasts, unfortunately not many paranormal podcasts, and that's unfortunate because I grew up listening to Art Bell. Until I found this podcast, if you're like me and have been trying to find a great paranormal podcast, then search no more. This host is very likable. Not sure if he does radio, but great sound quality and the content is great and keeps me intrigued. George Norrie can't hold a candle next to this guy. 
Sorry if it sounds like I'm bashing coast to coast, but ever since Art left, a void is in my heart, and this podcast fills that void. Hit that subscribe button, peeps. <laughs> Thank you, DJ Chemist. And in answer to your question, yes, I have been in radio since 1990, but that is a great compliment. Shiny Powapoo says, Love it. His voice is perfect, and the stories are great. Xavier Serna says, Narrator is excellent. Brooke Ucherka says, Great stories and told in a perfect voice. Khord01 says, Awesome podcast to listen to, one of my all time favorites. Pink Olga says, Wow, I love the show. We live in the middle of nowhere and every destination is a day trip. This makes it fly by. My 12 year old loves Darren's voice and says it makes her feel like it's more real because of the way he narrates. Keep it up. Tobias Petri says, What can I say? You've turned me to the dark side. I'm an official weirdo and working on initiating my husband and friends. This is a fantastic podcast with outstanding stories and a stunning narrator. Thank you again and keep the weirdness coming. And Jimmy C84 says, Look forward to listening to the latest stories. I also enjoy the narrator. Thanks again to everyone who is rating and reviewing the Weird Darkness podcast. It means the world to me that you take a moment and do so. I really appreciate it. Again, if you like what you're hearing, please take a moment, and if you're not already subscribed, do so, but rate and leave a review on iTunes, and thank you. Now, let's step back into the Weird Darkness. Some time ago, before I met my now wife, she was in a relationship with a violent ex-partner. She told me of an incident that happened to her one night while she was with said partner. My wife had retired to bed and the children were sleeping in the other bedrooms. Her partner had been out all day and was extremely drunk upon his return home. Hearing him downstairs and because of his violent history, my wife was terrified. Knowing that she was in for a beating, she drew the covers up over her head and pretended to be fast asleep, hoping that he would fall asleep in a drunken state. Unfortunately, he decided it was worth waking my wife up and abusing her violently. Fearing the worst, my wife stifled her cries, hoping that the children would not wake and bear witness to his violent ways. As he lunged for her, his hands went around my wife's neck, slowly strangling her. She thought that this was the end, that he would kill her there in her bed. She then started to pray in her mind that her nan protect her from this man, and she told me that everything started to turn white. Then, just before she passed out, she saw what she described as the ghost of her nan walk up to the bed and remove her ex-partner's hands from around her neck and lay him down next to her. He fell asleep instantly. My wife got up, grabbed the kids, and made her way to her mom's house. Upon leaving the house at 3 a.m. in the morning, she noticed a butterfly in the hallway, and as she opened the door, the butterfly left with her. Her nan loved butterflies when she was alive and my wife saw this as a sign to tell her that everything would be fine. Soon after that, she gathered enough strength and courage to leave him and start a new life, independent and free from violence. I met her soon after that, and I teach our children that they should always respect people, men and women, but never raise your fist to a woman. I believe that night my wife's nan, in spirit form, saved her life. I will never be the same after what happened during that trip in the woods. Maybe talking about it or writing it down will somehow change things. I can only hope. 
it was a nice fall weekend coming up. My brother and I had already made plans to go camping off the Appalachian Trail near an old mining town buried deep into the woods. After some phone calls to a few friends, we had ourselves a camping trip. Now, in the past, these trips have turned out to be quite comical, to say the least. Our camping gear consists of tents, sleeping bags, and all the beer you could manage to carry on a three-mile hike up the mountain. This trip was going to be a good one. We invited the most rowdy friends that we could find, a collection of friends that was bound to deliver a good time. One of the rowdies was a co-worker of mine. When it came to drinking, he did a lot, and he was sure to bring us some entertainment. His name is Joe. We've only been working together for a couple of years, but I thought if this trip were going to be complete, we needed Joe. After I brought it up to Joe, he told me that he'd never been camping and wouldn't have any camping gear to bring along. I thought about it for a second and realized that if he didn't go, we might stand a chance of missing out on a lot of laughs. So I told him, I have a spare sleeping bag and backpack and you can just stay in my tent. I knew that it was a good sign that Joe would go with us when he said, What about the beer? That's not a problem. We'll take two trips if we have to. We both kind of laughed about that and planned our trip. We could pack light on food and heavy on beer because we were only staying one night, Saturday to Sunday. On the way to the camp, I told Joe a little about the history of the spot where we were going to spend the night. It was once an old coal mining town with a couple thousand residents. Unfortunately for them, it was also sacred grounds for the local Indian tribe that roamed the hills. Of course, the Indians didn't allow anyone, not even their own, to reside on the sacred ground. So there were many massacres brought on by the Indians. There are still ancient Indian tombs spread across this land, as well as an old cemetery left by the slain settlers. This area has always been known to have a curse on it, so they say. We've been coming here for a few years and never had any problems, but it makes for good campfire tales. We finally made it to camp. As the hours went by and the night grew darker, everybody was at true form. The regular rowdies were doing their job at keeping us entertained, as was Joe. Actually, I must say Joe was leading the pack. I never would have thought that he would get that drunk. All good things do have to come to an end, and around one o'clock in the morning, they did. Joe was drunker than I've ever seen him. Unfortunately, Joe is now my problem. He's in my tent and unable to get himself into his sleeping bag. I'm now beginning to wish he were in one of the other tents. He's asking me stupid questions and making comments that make absolutely no sense. Mike, Mike, th these are my glasses and they'll be right beside me. Okay, Joe, that's fine. Now go to sleep. His eyes were glassed over and bloodshot from the many beers and whiskey shots. His speech is slurred and staggered. Mike, Mike, I, I can't see if my glasses are broke. Charlie will watch them too for me. Oh, man, Joe, did you just say Charlie? You must be drunk. No Charlie here, man, just you and me. That's it. You can talk all you want. I'm going to sleep. I stuffed myself down into my mummy-style sleeping bag, pulled all the necessary ripcords, and zipped up the side. I guess they call them mummy sleeping bags because after they're all zipped up and pulled tight, you're wrapped up like a mummy with only your face sticking out. Nearly impossible to get out of quickly. I've often worried about a bear attack or something like that. It'd take me a few seconds just to get an arm free to try and reach my pistol I have stuffed against the outside of my sleeping bag. Oh, Charlie will be here. He's always here at night. He watches. You know, he's my friend. Joe's voice started to slur even more as he started to doze off. Now, my imagination can run away from me at times, and I personally didn't like the talk of this Charlie character. I've always had an eerie feeling about this place because of its history and because of how dark and quiet it gets. Ironically, these are the same reasons I come here. The moonlit sky made for a perfect nightlight, 
giving you just enough gray contrast to bring images to shape. I also dozed off into the night, into a deep sleep. Suddenly, I was woken. Something was tapping on my shoulder. I was startled when I opened my eyes and saw a black silhouette hovering above me. Mike, like I have to take a, a piss. What the hell do you want? I was sleeping, Joe. What the hell? I yelled. I can't see. I can't, I can't get out of the tent. Joe's voice was still slurred, even though we'd been sleeping for a few hours. Why don't you put on your glasses? I don't know where they went. I scrambled to get out of the sleeping bag I was cocooned in. Okay, Joe. I unzipped the tent opening. This is the last time I'm going to do this. Don't wake me again. As far as I'm concerned, you could piss yourself. Sorry. Sorry. Charlie woke me up. He said I had to go piss. I just stared at Joe. What are you talking about? Who the fuck is Charlie? He's right there. Joe began to point to the back of the tent. In the, in the corner. My eyes lit up. I was suddenly wide awake as I quickly turned and looked in the corner. There, in the corner, was nothing but a backpack. I turned back to Joe. Joe, just go piss. I'm going to sleep. There's nothing in that corner. No, he was here. He woke me up. He said I should go piss. Joe, here's your glasses. I picked them up from the end of his sleeping bag. Let yourself back in. I'm going to sleep. I crawled back into my sleeping bag. It was much cooler now as the night grew longer. I zipped up the sides, pulled on the cords, and latched the Velcro straps over. This entire process takes a minute or two, and it's very tiresome, especially when you just want to go to sleep. I'm definitely not getting out of this bag again tonight. I'm lying in my bag and Joe is so close to the tent, he sounds like he's pissing on it. He better not be, I say quietly to myself. Outside, I can hear Joe slurring away. He's talking to himself. Half of it I can't even make out. I try to listen closer. I figure it could make for a few good laughs later on. I'm gonna to piss, that's why. Hey, you know. Hey, there you are. I thought you were in the tent. Ah, I, I, I'm fine. He helped me out. You're always... So angry, Charlie. Joe starts to come back into the tent. He makes a lot of noise getting back into his sleeping bag. I pretend I'm asleep. It's very dark in here. It's a wonder Joe doesn't fall right on me as drunk as he is. He's doing some more muttering the whole way in. He finally gets himself situated. I swear he's going to kick me right in the head with his feet. They're so close. I can hear the plastic tarp that the tent flooring's made of crinkling beside my ear. Charlie? Joe says. Get over here. Leave him alone now. He's, tr he's trying to sleep. Then suddenly, I hear the pitter-patter of feet, or something that sounds like it, scurrying from beside my head down to Joe's. Many things are running through my head. Is Joe just finally getting to me? Am I hearing things? Could there be a rodent in the tent and Joe's too drunk to realize that it's not Charlie but a fucking mouse or something? Joe continues to talk to himself. What? Uh, I'm fine. He's not that bad. I listen as closely as I can. Why does he sound like he's in some kind of conversation? As I listen, I hear something. Something I can't possibly be hearing. A voice faint, but still a voice other than Joe's. As I listen in fright, it becomes more and more audible. Joe's not talking to himself. There's somebody there. Somebody talking to him. Where are my glasses now? I, th I think I lost them again, Joe says in a calm, quiet voice. The faint voice answers back. They are here, beside you in a raspy sort of tone. Oh, okay, I just don't want them to be stepped on, Joe says. The faint voice replies, He shouldn't be here. 
terror ran down my spine. I can't be hearing what I'm hearing. I didn't want to move or make a sound. I tried to slowly turn my head to where I could see the end of the tent where Joe was lying. To my fright, beside Joe was a black figure, very small. It couldn't have been more than a foot or two high, very thin, maybe crouched down with a small head. It didn't look human or animal, but it was speaking, and what it was saying was terrifying. Joe continued to speak. I know, I know, I'm drunk, but I'm just… Joe's voice began to fade as if he were falling back to sleep. The creature's voice came in. Let me kill him. I couldn't move. The fear ran through me and paralyzed every muscle in my body. Even my thoughts stopped for that brief moment. Joe replied in a comical manner, Okay, Charlie. Joe giggled a little. You do that, then. I'm going to go to sleep now. As that was said, before I could move a muscle, the creature darted over to my head. The patter of its feet made it seem as though it ran over on all fours. I squeezed my eyes shut tight. My heart was racing. I tried to breathe slowly. The creature, now beside my head, spoke again. This time it wasn't so faint. It was directly in my ear. I think he's awake. I could barely hold it all back. My body began to tremble. I could now hear the creature breathing, but I couldn't feel its breath. The breathing seemed to get more intense and eventually started to sound like a faint growl, an evil growl, as if it were getting ready to attack. I was trapped within the bindings and Velcro of the mummy sleeping bag. I'd never be able to get an arm free in time to defend myself. All I could think of is how I was going to get out of this tent. The others were nearby, but by the time they would wake up, it would probably be too late. As the creature seemed to get closer to my face and louder with its breathing, suddenly all muscles that once seemed to be totally paralyzed twitched and I sat straight up in my sleeping bag and screamed out as loud as I could. I was frantically tearing and pulling at the Velcro and zippers. Finally, something gave way with a loud rip, and I was free. I tore open the tent door and went running across the camp to the next nearest tent. I quickly opened the other tent and startled my brother, who must have thought that he was being attacked himself. I leaped inside and grabbed his shotgun from the tent floor. I aimed out of the tent's opening, out into the dark forest, waiting for sign of the creature's approach. What the fuck's out there? My brother asked. He looked as scared as I was without even knowing what had just happened. My jaw was trembling and I could barely speak. There's fucking bear out there? Where's Joe? It's no fucking bear, I answered. Where's your damn gun? My brother asked. It's in my tent still with Joe. You let Joe handle that gun? He's liable to shoot us, he said. I haven't seen or heard the creature yet and I find it hard to believe that I made it out of there without a scratch. I wasn't that quick on getting out of there. The creature would have had plenty of time to attack if it wanted. Mike, my brother says, what's going on? Is there something out there or not? I slowly began to lower the end of the shotgun barrel. You're not going to believe this shit, but something was in the tent with me and Joe, and Joe knows about it. It wanted to kill me, and it's it's not human. It's, it's some kind of creature. What? Show me. I'll show you, but you go first. I'm staying in here tonight, that's for sure. Okay, whatever. Let's go check this out. We climb out of the tent. It's about four o'clock in the morning, and the cool air makes a low fog roll across the ground. We approach my tent very slowly. The tent's door is hanging open. It is eerily quiet inside. I thought for sure that Joe would have awakened from all of the commotion and screaming. I stayed outside while my brother stuck his head inside the tent's opening. I was expecting that Joe was dead or something was about to jump out of the tent onto my brother's head, but my brother turned to me and said, nothing in here but Joe sound asleep. Then it must be out here. He was out here earlier with Joe. I looked around the camp hoping to see it so I knew where it was. 
Grab my gun for me and my sleeping bag. I'm staying in your tent, I said, grasping the shotgun tight. With my gun and my sleeping bag, we walked back to my brother's tent. I had left the tent door open and the cool mist rolled inside the open flap. I stopped, dead in my tracks. What's wrong with you? My brother asked. What if the creature climbed inside while we were out here? I said. Come on! There's nothing here. He began to climb inside the tent. I wasn't going to hang around outside by myself, so I jumped inside and zipped up the door. I couldn't sleep the rest of the night. While my brother dozed off, I sat straight up with gun in hand looking around the tent for the next two and a half hours waiting for daylight. Eventually, first light came and I crawled outside. The world looks different when illuminated by the sun, not so eerie. I made a fire and the smell of the smoke eventually woke everyone up, even Joe. Joe crawled out of the tent like he had just been mugged in the alley. He was very pale and very hungover. He walked over towards me and stood by the fire. What happened to the tent door? Joe asked. Are you serious? I asked him. Yeah. Why, did I do that? No, but don't you remember anything about last night? Not really. Not a whole lot. What did I do? I couldn't believe that he had no recollection of what happened last night. I was almost afraid to ask him about you-know-who, but I had to know what was going on. I know what I saw and heard. Let me ask you this, Joe. Does Charlie ring a bell? Joe mutters a little under his breath. Charlie. Charlie knows Charlie, Joe asks. And now I'm starting to get angry. I know I'm not losing it, and I wasn't that drunk. You gotta be shitting me, Joe. You know who Charlie is. You talked about him last night. He was in the tent last night. Now what the fuck? Joe started to look down and really seemed to think about it. Then suddenly his face lit up and he began to smile. Oh, okay, okay, you mean that Charlie, the invisible Charlie, you mean. I almost couldn't believe that he said that. For a moment, I didn't want it to be real. Reality seemed harder to handle than the fact that I might be going crazy. I answered back, yeah, that's what I mean. What the fuck is Charlie? He tried to kill me. Okay. Joe looked at me like he thought I was the crazy one. Charlie, if we're talking about the same Charlie, he's an imaginary friend I used to have when I was a kid. My wife told me I start talking to him in my sleep still occasionally and when I'm drunk sometimes. It all starts to make sense to me now, all except for the part of imaginary. He was definitely not imaginary last night, I said. Joe begins to laugh. <laughs> what are you talking about? Tell me, Joe. What does your imaginary friend look like, or should I describe him? I don't know. I guess he's just a little boy, so I could have a friend when I was little, Joe says. I don't know exactly what happened that night, but till this day I haven't camped with Joe or at the old coal mining town. No one really ever believed my story, especially not Joe, and I don't blame them. Could it have been just my imagination? Or could Joe's imaginary boyhood friend have been morphed and brought to life by the same Indian curse that is supposed to haunt the land we camped on? A curse that can bring your worst fears to life. Do you have a true tale to tell? Share your story at WeirdDarkness.com and I might use it in a future episode. Again, if you like the show, please post a review on iTunes. I'll give you a shout-out in the next episode, and you'll also automatically receive the audiobook Fright Before Christmas – 13 Tales of Holiday Horrors through the month of November 2017 while supplies last, so be sure to leave your iTunes review today. Just post your review then send me a screenshot to let me know you've done so. The True Story Apartment from Hell 
was submitted to Weird Darkness by Lacey T. The fictional story, From Above, submitted to Weird Darkness by Savvy Ray. The story, Him, was submitted to Weird Darkness by Taylor Redbaum. The true story, My Deceased Nan Saved My Life, was submitted anonymously to WeirdDarkness.com. And the fictional story, The Camping Trip, was submitted to WeirdDarkness.com by Michael. Find links to some of the authors of this episode's stories in the show's description. Music in this episode is provided by Shadows Symphony. You can find them online at Facebook.com slash Shadows Symphony. I'm Darren Marlar. Thanks for joining me in the Weird Darkness. <laughs>